0: to on the road with mike and andy the number one australian weekly trucking podcast made for aussie truckies by aussie truckies we're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around australia so please do us a favor listen in on your favorite podcast platform hit like and subscribe leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us on the road is brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer visit the website at nti.com.au G'day and welcome back to On The Road. We've got loads of entertainment and enlightenment lined up for you this week. Mike is joined by Pete Hellemans talking about the amazing safety benefits of infrared camera systems for trucks that literally help you to see in the dark. Later in something to talk about, Mike shares an excellent letter sent to Big Rigs by a rightfully frustrated truckie. All the latest from the On The Road newsroom, plus great music from Street Pieces and Sun Vault along with a few giggles from Aussie funny man Sammy J. Or listen more. So,
1: let's get this show on the road. Yes, get over there.
2: G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Truckers. And when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. Right? <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Truck Trucking Radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage, our email address... Big Radio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there.
3: The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com.
0: Way back in one of our early episodes, we bought you a song called Mouth of a Lion by Brizzy band Street Pieces. Now, Michael sent us a message saying he wanted to hear it again. Here you go, Michael.
2: I've got Pete Hellemons from Avant-Garde with me here today. We're going to talk about FLIR, that's forward-looking infrared. Now, I've got one of these things in my 909 that I drive for Campbell's up in the Pilbara. While I've been driving this truck, the thing's paid for itself twice. It saved me twice from hitting half-ton cows at 90 kilometres an hour in a loaded quad. It's absolutely incredible technology. I wanted to get Pete on to talk about it so I could share my experience with you and get some good technical advice and answer a few questions, maybe that people might have had about this. So, Pete, you're the director of Avant Garde, the distributor here in Perth. How are you, mate? Welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, good day, Mike. How you going? Oh, wonderful, mate. Wonderful. That's really good, mate. Many thanks for inviting us to be part of your show. Listen to a couple of your podcasts, and I just like the format that you have got going. It's really guys on the ground sort of talk and, yeah, I think it's an awesome forum and gives guys something to listen to and educate a little bit and give them a bit of knowledge and help spread the good word around.
2: No worries.
3: I think it's fantastic, mate. And happy birthday for a recent celebration on the podcast as well. So well done to you and your team there, mate.
2: Thanks, mate. Thanks very much. Yeah. Just to add that this is not sponsored content. Pete hasn't given me any money to have him on the show, although, you know, I wouldn't mind a beer when I'm in Perth. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we can certainly arrange that mate
2: or even when I see you in Port Hedland or something like that it's alright so as I said I drive for Campbell's up here in Port Hedland and I cart iron ore out of some of the mines down south and we pass through areas where there are cows and I've got this FLIR thing there bonnet and a bull bar and radiator and grill and all that sort of stuff and a 909 is not a cheap thing mate no. but the FLIR has saved it how does it work what does it do tell us about it I want to know more I want to share the information
3: so the thermal camera, what it is, it picks up heat. So what it does is every object during the day absorbs heat from the sun, which is heat energy. Mm-hmm. And then if it didn't expel any energy, it would just keep getting hotter and hotter. So every object is absorbing heat from the sun, but it's releasing heat from the sun. And every item does that differently. So bitumen's different to the timber post on the side of the road. is different from a tree. The leaves are different. The gravel's different, the aluminium signs on the side of the road, they emit it differently. And what the FLIR camera does, it picks up this heat energy that's being reflected off objects. Mm -hmm. So they actually call that emissivity. So it's a heat radiation with our eyes we pick up wavelengths and heat energy is just a different wavelength that's slightly above the color when we see a green tree or a black road that's a wavelength Mm. so heat energy is just a slightly different wavelength to light or color so the camera is tweaked to actually pick up that frequency range so then the camera grabs all this energy and then it has a computer in it. So it then scales it because, you know, in different parts of Australia, have different temperatures. Say in Port Hedland, what can you have, sort of 55 degrees or 50 degrees on a really, really hot day? Yep. And then in cold air, say, like if you're in Kalgoorlie or in the south, you can get minus temperatures. So the computer and the camera goes, all right, that's the hottest object out there in front. I'll make that white. Yeah. And then it picks the coldest object and it goes, it makes that black. Yep. And then it scales everything in between. So what you end up with looks like a black and white TV image of everything in front of the vehicle, but it's not picking up the colour. It's picking up the hottest item to the coldest item.
2: Righto. So when I saw that big scrub ball walking off the buddy onto the side of the road, yep. about what was you probably about three quarters of a kilometre away when I first picked him up, yep. I was just seeing the heat from his body. Correct, 100%. So I saw him walking towards the road and I was able to scrub off enough speed and alter my direction sensibly Yep. and managed to miss him instead of hitting him fair square in the middle at 90 kilometres an hour. Yeah,
3: that was the whole idea of putting the thermal camera in. But it's amazing, you know, like you could see and identify it as a cow at that three-quarters of a kilometre away.
2: I reckon it was at least that far away, yeah. Yeah. It was beyond the range of my headlights at the time. Had another quad coming towards me. Yeah. And, of course, you know what our headlights are like these days. Everything lights up the road several kilometres in front of you. You've got to dip your lights a long way away. That's it. And that's the scariest time for me anyway. You dip your lights and you can't see what's going on beyond the range of your headlights. Yeah. And the first inkling that you get, unless you're actually right on the ball... Mm. You don't see things until it's way too late when you're that heavy at that speed. Yeah, that's for sure. And of course, the biggest mistake you can possibly make is slam the brakes on and give the wheel a big handful, because that's going to end in tears.
3: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: In fact, we actually have a company policy that you don't swerve to miss them. Yeah. You uh, hold it all straight.
3: That's the best thing you can do if you're in that situation. couldn't more agree. And I worked for a company probably nearly 10 years ago, and we were carting fuel around Western Australia. and that was the knee-jerk reaction. You know, they'd see a cow and they'd swerve yep. and they'd tip the second or the third trailer over and then all of a sudden, you know, you ended up with 30-odd thousand litres going to ground. Yeah. Then there was all this environmental impact as well with clean-up and the cost. Mm. It just goes on and on.
2: Oh, and the downtime. Oh, yeah. If you hit the big bull or something square on and push the bull bar back in, I mean, the bull bar will save a lot of damage, but Mm. what's a bonnet on a 909 worth painted? Oh. And a radiator and a grill. (laughs) Well,
3: that's it. A lot of our clients sort of say an impact can be $30,000. That's just the dollar aspect. Mm. But then relocating the truck after an incident so you know the other cost if you're in the pill, you got maybe you got to bring it to perth or you got to take to darwin yeah then you've got the repair time and that can be months and months so all this lost revenue yeah and mike williams is the his truck at the same time it's a big problem
2: yeah i ran sydney perth for a few years before i went to a tanker job in the east coast and then ultimately came over here I've seen aerodynes out on the paddock that have hit camels and cows. That's never pretty. No. And in fact, the one image that springs to mind is one of Hopper's Volvos. You might have seen the picture of it with the aftermath of hitting a large animal and bull bar all pushed back into the cab and crap all up the front of it. And everything just smashed. Yeah. It strikes me as interesting that things like FLIR, are they being looked at by the manufacturers to put in as standard pitments, are they, or...? I
3: don't know exactly the answer to that, but you think like the top-end motor cars, you know, Mercedes-Benz and BMW, they did have it in their premium vehicles going back 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't really sort of flowed through. But I do think, Mike, that thermal imaging doesn't really apply to every aspect of the motor vehicle industry. Like in Europe, is it a really a requirement? Maybe not, but I know for regional Australia, I think it's a fantastic bit of gear for road safety and the likes. But you go down to Kenworth and you order a new truck, mm. you've got to put a turntable on it after you take delivery of the truck and I don't even know if a truck comes with a UHF radio yet. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that thermal imaging is up there as a standard fitment, to be honest.
2: Yeah. We're talking with P. Hallamons, the Director of Avant-Garde, the distributors of the FLIR system. We're going to break for a short word from our sponsors and we'll be right back shortly.
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI
2: Facebook page. We're back with Pete from Avant Garde. Mate, how do these things get installed? I mean, you obviously do all the making the bracketry and the wiring and you produce that installation kit. I go and buy my 909 or my Globetrotter or whatever I go and buy. Yeah, yeah. How long does it take you to put it in? And more importantly, mate, how much does it cost? The cost of the unit's about eight and a half grand,
3: plus GST.
2: Yeah. So it's not a
3: little toy. Yeah. It's a fair-income bit of kit. And I guess the return on investment is the real equation and how long it lasts for. I guess that's another thing we can talk about too. But in regards to the installation, you can request it to be fitted and put it in during the fit-up of the truck. Mm. Like you said, we do the brackets and installation takes about three to four hours depending on the make and the model of the truck and how much we're going to take out or remove to fit it in there. But yeah, look, it's not really a rocket science thing to install, to be honest.
2: So I've got the screen on the dash in front of me and we've got the camera mounted on top of the red dot on mine. Yeah. I mean, once that's done and you've got it all aimed and lined up and all the rest of it, is there anything else to be done after that?
3: No, not at all, mate. There's a couple of buttons on the screen that you can fiddle with. Yep. The brightness and the contrast. Yes. On the camera itself on the roof of the truck, often referred to as R2-D2 even. Yeah,
2: looks a bit like R2, yeah.
3: Yeah, cow cam or whatever you want to call it. That's it. There's a little window on the front of the camera. It'll build up with bugs, splatter, and bits and pieces, which doesn't really seem to affect the quality of the image that much. Hmm. But periodically, it does need a clean. And yep. I guess the other thing that's important too is just keeping an eye and make sure it doesn't get cracked. Yep. If it gets cracked, it's not great for the camera, to be honest.
2: Well... I did see a post there about a cracked one that got filled up with water. Yeah. Cameras, electronic things don't like water anyway. So, no, nah, no, nah, that's right. Not a surprise.
3: You know, someone that's got one and they notice it's cracked, you're really better to report it. We can get it resolved sooner rather than later because, yeah, it's pretty expensive if it does fill up with water and shorts out. Yeah, it's not pretty. Yeah. But we can get it early. It's far better that way.
2: So, in use, I've got to tell you, mate, I've had one little frustration with it actually. Yeah. And that's the way the thing zooms. It's not quite as intuitive as it could be, I don't think, but that's just my opinion. You know, you get that little square screen and it sort of gets into the display there. mm you got it there where you push the buttons and make it a wider screen. or well, You know what I'm talking
3: about? Oh, yeah, you can change the aspect ratio on the screen itself. Well, I think that's what you're saying.
2: That's right. Yeah, the aspect. That's it. Yeah. See, I'm not very technical. I just use the tech. I don't know much about <laughs> it, and that's why I'm talking to you. Yeah, no, it's all right. I find that sometimes it just makes it a little bit interesting, particularly when you're going around a corner. Yeah. You sort of lose the inside of the corner. Yeah, yeah. It'd be handy if you could make it sort of steer like the headlights do. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: fair enough. <laughs> the actual camera does have a couple of different settings within it mm. so like we set it up on a times two setting yep. it actually has three different settings one's no zoom then we've got two times zoom and then four times zoom yep four times zoom is extremely grainy right yeah you've got to remember too it's based on how fast you're traveling yes so at 100 kilometers an hour you're traveling at about 23 meters a second roughly yep at 23 meters a second you're covering a fair bit of road. So we don't really want to know anything that's within 100 metres in front of the truck or the vehicle because if it's in that zone, it's too late. Yep. You're going to hit it anyway. That's right. We really want to see 750 metres to kilometre plus away. Yep. So we give the driver heaps more time to see and react and do everything he needs to do. Yep. So that's why we use that two-time zoom. But we have got a client that's in the Pilbara at the moment. Their road speed is down because of the size of their, I think you call them mega quads.
2: Super quad, yeah.
3: Their road speed's down a bit, and we've actually knocked it back to the standard setting, which is no zoom. Yeah. Because as you zoom in, you actually lose width off the side of the road.
2: That's right, yes.
3: So you're sacrificing width to see further down the road. So you can sort of understand at a high speed, you want to see further, but at a slower speed, you want to see wider.
2: Wouldn't it be nice, though, if the thing adjusted its width as it sensed the speed of the vehicle accordingly, or is that just too much of an ask?
3: No, look, I think product development is what we're doing with the thermal camera in heavy vehicles. Mm. I think that's the next level. Yeah. To utilise the CAN bus information within the truck and how fast is the truck travelling and then change the zoom setting. You know, once it gets to 70 or 80 k's an hour, change the zoom setting. Like, well, I could
2: do it automatically. Wouldn't that be nice? I reckon that'd be brilliant. Yeah. Look, there's lots of room
3: for advancement, Mike, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's just trying to make it all happen and have it do it on its own because you don't really want the driver to be touching it or adjusting stuff all the time mm. because it becomes a word distraction pops up in my mind.
2: It does indeed. Well, the thing's sitting there and it's got a little menu screen on it and obviously you can change the brightness and the hue and the contrast. Yep. As I said, I've been vastly impressed by this thing. You know what else impresses me? During the day, if it's on during the day and you're going down the hall road yep. and you're on the dirt and you get dusted out, yeah, you know that you can actually see the road through the dust.
3: That's great to hear that, mate, because on paper and everything else, it's supposed to do that. Yep. But I never really had a lot of feedback on that, about using it in the dust.
2: Well, on mine, through the dust, I got dusted out by a couple of quads coming out of mine there the other day. Mm Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, the water truck hadn't been through in that time, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And I could see the road. I could see the edges. I could see that there was nothing coming in my lane. Yeah. I've actually found it incredible. You can pick the make and model of a truck coming towards you at night time. Yeah. Well all you can see in front of you is two spots of headlights. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I reckon you could pick up a hot wheel end.
3: Yeah, yeah. Going back six or seven years ago when we first started, there was a client in the Midwest. They'd gone into a mine out the back of Megathara, yep. and one of their other trucks was they were loading or they were both at sight yep. and there was his truck allowing this other one to go past him yep and he was just watching the screen and he, he was watching the wheels and the hubs going past yeah and he saw this one was sort of white and then white and then he saw one and it was like stark white like white 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 yeah so he thought shit that's interesting and the penny dropped because that hub's really hot yeah so he called old mate up on the UHM and said you better pull up and check this hub out with the heat gun. Yeah. And sure enough, the wheel bearing was in failure. Like, he was ready to go.
2: i got no doubt. I mean, it's quite incredible the amount of detail that you can pick up. Yeah. When I told you about that cow there before, I called the guy that was coming towards me because I didn't know whether he had one or not. And I told him that there was a cow between us. Yeah. yeah. It actually saved two trucks because I found it afterwards that guy didn't have one. Yeah. So, you know, one of us would have got him. Oh, mate.
3: What you're saying there, I hear that quite often about, Hmm. it's always when you drop to low beam and there's another truck coming the other way and then all of a sudden there's a cow right there in the middle of the road. Yeah. And it scares me too. Like you think, well, what if a truck didn't have the thermal camera and it was a light vehicle coming the other way? Yep. A cow gets shunted into the oncoming vehicle.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: And I've heard a lot of occasions where the thermal cameras picked it up and avoided it. And I just think how many lives has that camera system saved? Yeah from people losing significant incidents
2: look I've been very impressed with your product and that's why I wanted to get you on the show to pass it on with people if people want to know more about it if any of the owners out there or even just drivers want to know any more about it they can skip over to your Facebook page yeah and if you want to tell us your details so they can follow up with you maybe and you can let us know what to do if they're on the east coast because surely someone who's on the east coast might be interested as well
3: yeah, yeah, no dramas. Look, our, well, our website is au. We've also got a Facebook page as Avantgarde Distribution. I'm just that passionate about what we do and the product and how it helps everyone. I'm happy just to give out my number being 0417 678 259 if anyone's keen to know more about it. More than happy to talk the leg off a chair about it, to be honest. <laughs> yep. And my email address is pete at avantgardegroup.com.au. And avantgarde is a bit of a pain in the neck, but it's A V A N T G A R D E group.com.au.
2: Uh, I've been talking with Pete Halimons from Avantgarde. As I've said, this is not sponsored content. Pete hasn't paid me anything. I just love the product and I wanted to tell everyone about it. Thanks for coming on the show and talking with us about it. Maybe we'll catch up down the track, mate. Mm. Uh, If there's any developments or anything changes, please let me know, mate. I'd love to know more.
3: Not a worry at all, mate. And uh, look, just thanks for your time to call us up, mate, and have us on your show. It's been an absolute pleasure.
2: Always happy to promote things I like, mate. Yeah. We'll catch up with you later. All right. Thanks very much, mate.
1: Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you.
0: If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great.
1: Supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you doing, just smile and tell them, never better.
0: We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries, and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organizations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind, and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well.
4: Hey, this is Ben Tilney from Street Pieces and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy.
0: On The Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hi, Mike. Spring has
2: sprung. The days are getting longer and warmer, eh? They are indeed. I'll tell you what, it's just bloody glorious over here, mate. I thought it was just bloody hot over there. Well, it is, but (laughs) getting to the point where the air conditioner on the big 909 is struggling a little bit, let me tell you. Well, that sounds good for summer coming up. I'm not looking forward to it, mate. That's uh, my one criticism of the big KWs, mate. The air conditioning is sometimes not all it's cracked up to be. The Europeans have got it all over them on that. Yeah, you need one of those cool suits like the supercar drivers have. Maybe I do. Hmm. Maybe if you ever get to interview a supercar driver, we can find out. (laughs) Good on you. All right,
0: point taken. All right. Just quickly sharing with you, I was uh, last night I was sorting through some old documents mm. and uh, I came across our wedding certificate. Oh, no. My wife came into the room and she looked at me and smiled sweetly and she said, yeah. well, look at you, you old romantic. Yeah. Just reminiscing about the happiest day of our lives, were you? And I yeah. said, no, babe, I was just looking to see if there's an expiry date. <laughs>
2: and
0: doctors reckon I should be out of intensive care in a week or so. That'd well, you, you did have to go to the doctor now. I <laughs> know <laughs> why. <laughs> All right, hooking in, Mike, the Cross Keys Hotel at Cavern in South Australia has made itself rather unpopular by banning all all interstate truckies from its premises.
2: They certainly have. I'll tell you what, mate, the Cavern Hotel. Now, that used to be one of the places I've been in there for a beer occasionally and just to have a look at the scenery. Yeah, you've got your photo up on their wall, haven't you? (laughs) No. I had a regular seat in the end of the bar there at one stage, I think. Not anymore, it'd be on the dartboard now. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Very interesting staff in there, mate. They were very pleasant, some of them. Yes, so I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> they've decided to ban interstate uh, truck drivers from going in there, and there's a whole story here on the web webpage, of course. Mm. But they had a bit of a situation there where 30 people were required to isolate for 14 days, including staff along with customers and all that sort of stuff, and they've had to undergo a deep clean. Mm. I wonder what a deep clean is. Is that where they wipe things twice? I guess so, yeah, or sand the surface off altogether and re-lacquer or something. Yeah. I don't know where they get the idea that they think they could just wipe things over and now wear a mask and they're going to get it all. But anyway, that's beside the point. SATA has released a statement about it saying that it's clear that the manager had not thought through all the details of the ban. Mm. And he indicated that they're worried about heavy vehicle drivers who live in New South Wales and Victoria. And as such, drivers who are South Australian residents weren't banned. But, you know, it does send a bit of a message, doesn't it? It certainly does. So for me personally... Obviously, I'm not going to be near the Cross Keys Hotel anywhere in the near future, but you know my mantra is, mate, if they don't support us, well, remember down the track and don't support them. Yep. That's all I've got to say about that. Absolutely. Bye-bye at the Cross Keys Hotel at Cavern. Yep.
0: And, mate, according to the TWU, workers at Star Trek have voted overwhelmingly in favour of taking strike action if the company refuses to provide job security
2: guarantees. And once again, so they should. mm This is scary, mate, because I find myself agreeing with the TWU again. It's happening far too often, mate. It is happening far too often. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's something in the water. It could be. They're renegotiating an enterprise bargaining agreement. Mm. These enterprise agreements were negotiated with the TWU in 2017 and 18. So it's about time that they got this this stuff sorted out. Yeah, that's for sure. There's differences in rates of hire for Labor hire personnel with respect to full-time staff. You know, there's a whole raft of things going on, which I've got in the background, and I'm probably really not able to talk about on the show, mm. simply because I don't want to get letters from people saying you shouldn't talk about that. Yeah. But the TWU have got a point. People are entitled to job security. Star Trek mm. and many other companies are now trying to switch people on to contracts, which means that when the contract's up, they can just terminate them. Yep. So it's a backdoor way of getting rid of people. Mm. Right, and they want to move to a casual workforce. Now, I understand the reason why they want to do it. It's better for the bottom line. You can just lay people off with no explanation when the time comes yep. or you know if, if the business falls off a little bit, but it provides no job security. You can't get a mortgage if you're a casual. That mm. just makes life that much harder. Yep. People with years and years of service being put on casual contracts, they've basically lost any security that they have. Yeah. But there's no holidays paid, there's no sick pay, there's no nothing. You get a slight increase in your hourly rate, but you get none of the security. And it's not a good trade-off. The guys at Star Trek are onto it, and I hope they win. Yeah, me too.
0: Now, Mike, in the aftermath of a shipping container loading accident that caused injury to a worker,
2: a New South Wales-based road and rail transport company has been ordered to pay $90,000. They sure have. Old mate Eddie Asiata was standing beside the shipping container while another fellow was lo- using a forklift and they were loading aluminium billet inside the shipping container. Mm. 2.3 tonne of the billet shifted and fell on him, pinning him up against the shipping container's wall. Jeez. He suffered a fractured femur and a fractured right wrist. Obviously, this is not pleasant. They put trying to put some cardboard in between them so they didn't rub together. And, and when we understand why these things happen... Mm. Crawford's were the company involved. They were found to have taken some positive steps to guard against the risk of this sort of thing happening ever again in the future, and so they should. With their early guilty plea, they uh, reduced their fine from an initial $120,000 back to what it ended up being. These sort of prosecutions and findings will make it easier for people to see that it's just as important to look at the risks of jobs and consider making it safe for the workers, because I tell you what, a fractured femur and a fractured right wouldn't have been a fun experience.
0: I'll say.
2: Mm. And mate, by way of proof that old truckies uh,
0: like fine wines, get better with age, <laughs> like you and me, a 78-year-old retired truckie is doing his bit to help keep the memories of Air and its fleet of
2: grey ghost Kenworth K125s alive. Mate, the grey ghosts, i tell you what, they're a thing of legend. Mm-hmm. You know, though obviously on the highway, really before I got into trucking, but you even hear stories about them now. You know, our old mate Barry Grimson used to work for Comet, right? And uh, I've heard him talk about you know things like the grey ghosts and all that sort of stuff. Trucks had characters and the drivers had characters back in the day. Mm. So, old mate Bob Hall, '78, he's described Quickest Air as a very professional outfit, and the business eventually was faded and bored out. But there's a camaraderie amongst the old drivers and they have reunions and and things like that. Hall worked for Quickest Air from the mid-60s through to the mid-70s when the grey ghosts were coming into Sydney and uh, running up and down the highways. You know, just an iconic sort of a story. Well, anyway, he's decided to create a uh, platinum grey polo shirt uh, with a bit of commemorative stuff on it. You can talk to him if you want to. Go to the story. There's a link there, an email address to get a uh, polo shirt if you want one. And if you know anyone that was involved in it or is interested in the memories, by all means, you know, send him an email on the link and the story on the bigrigs.com.au webpage.
0: Polo sound great. The perfect gift for the truckie that's got everything. <laughs> exactly right. Well, that and penicillin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, Did you really? Uh, <laughs> oh, you oops. scare me, mate. You do. You really scare me sometimes.
0: Now, in a joint submission, the ATA and Road are calling for the Australian Transport Safety Bureau's safety investigations to be
2: extended to include heavy vehicle crashes. Mate, this is something that I've been talking about with people for a long, long, long time. time. Mm. For me, I mean, every time some four-seater aeroplane crashes into a paddock Mm. um, or someone on an ultralight falls out of the sky... There's an investigation and we all want to know the whys and the wherefores and we track down the exact reason why these things happen. Mm. And it, it is well beyond time for something like this to happen in my view. We're operating commercial vehicles on the road and sometimes things happen. Wouldn't it be nice to know the real reason why these things happen? Yeah. Rather than just some guess, oh, he must have been fatigued and went to sleep. Well, okay. If he was, why did he go to sleep? Mm. What happened in the preceding 24 hours that led to that wreck on the highway at 2 a.m.? Yep. yep. We need to know the answers. And the ATSB have the power to summon the records and have the power to answer the questions.
1: Mm.
2: It's not so much about apportioning blame. It's about finding out why something happens and dealing with the problem, the real problem, not the one we're guessing about. I 100% support Michael Deegan in his view that this move has already been recommended and the independent review suggests it should happen. And the Productivity Commission is saying that it probably is a good idea. As an independent agency, the ATSB can provide valuable insights. They can reduce the risk of future accidents, incidents, particularly when it comes from that place of authority. I doubt you get anyone to argue against the idea, yes, it costs money, yes, it takes time, hmm. but at the end of the day, if we can work out why some of these accidents happened, whether it's even just the road surface, Rod and I could talk a leg off a table about the road surface, as you well know, yeah. and sometimes that's the reason. Yep. Why are these things happening? The ATSB can answer the questions, and they should.
0: Agreed. Now, Mike, with the South Australian new no-jab, no-entry September 27 deadline looming, Mm. trucking boss Steve Shearer has some good news for truckies worried about having enough time to comply.
2: Yeah, there's been some news today about guys having to deal with the no-entry deadline of September 27. Authorities have told us that truckies will be prioritised at vaccination clinics, although opinions about that vary, let me tell you. Mm. We expect to have details within the next several days They've discussed how the police are going to treat drivers who are not vaccinated. They understand it's not going to be a great idea to turn away trucks, a whole lot of trucks. They saying they can't let that be used as a means of letting people just refuse to be vaccinated. Mm. I question all of this stuff, mate. I really do. And I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Yep. These sort of things are just putting pressure on drivers to comply with something that is, in my opinion, abhorrent. Mm. I have several drivers contacted me and tell me how upset they are about a lot of this stuff. And I'll be talking with one driver who's been caught up with it all to be aired on the show. He's quite happy to talk about his experience. And for those who don't know, our friend Tones from Tones Trucking Stories has sold his truck and he's left the industry. Okay. It's mind-blowing to me that they're going to pursue this. There are a lot of guys who are going to say no, mm. and as I've pointed out, you know, the freight task is not getting any smaller. Locking drivers out in this way, I can't see it being the right idea. Saying you, know, you can cross the border if you go and get vaccinated, well, if that's not coercion, I want to know what is. Yeah,
0: exactly right.
2: Anyway, that's enough for me out on that one. Well, you well know my
0: feelings on that one too. I do. And that's why this week in Something to Talk About, I'm going to have a little bit of a spit on that one myself. Might be the last show you hear me on, folks, so enjoy it.
2: (laughs) Might be the last time you hear our show. Who knows? (laughs) I mean, I'm happy for people to disagree with us. Yep. I really am. You know, present your evidence.
0: Mm. I'll
2: argue my case with anyone and I'm sure, you know, you will as well. We're an independent voice. We're happy to have people from both sides of the argument on the show to discuss it. Yep. I am just a little bit fed up that there's only one side of the argument out there at the moment. Yep. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a hesitant baxer. Exactly. I don't like what I'm hearing and I'd like more information. Yeah. And until that happens, I'm not comfortable. And there are a lot of people in my shoes. Yeah. There are people like Tony, love him or hate him, respect what he's done or not. He had the balls. He talked the talk, walked the walk and made his decision- and now he said, well, you know, this is going to be the way it is. I don't want to play. And he's left. And I'm sure that he's not going to be the only one. And the industry's a lot poorer for it. Obviously, the industry's poorer for it. It's terrible. Well, mate, I've sent
0: through your phone number to Dan and Gladys and Scott. So <laughs> you should be expecting a call from them anytime soon.
2: I'll, I'll consult with them for free, mate.
0: Yeah. Well, they'll be all the wiser for your input, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. Thoughts for the week.
0: Isn't it odd how if you copy from a single source, it's called plagiarism? Mm. However, if you copy from multiple sources, it's called research.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is.
0: And one last one. A man looks for a wife who is just clever enough to appreciate his cleverness Mm. and just stupid enough to admire it. (laughs) Oh, dear, dear. Not suggesting for one moment that my good wife
2: falls into that category. Oh, Jesus. You you sail close to the wind sometimes, mate. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space, buddy. I'll tell you what, mate, you should start riding without a helmet on. Seriously. <laughs> I've learnt never to question Rosie's decisions, mate. You know why? Because I was one of them. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right.
0: <laughs> she may well say one of her poorer ones,
2: but... that's <laughs> maybe she will.
0: As my lovely wife said to me the other day, yeah. Andy, you wear the pants in this family, and as long as you keep doing as you're told, you'll be allowed to keep wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> Good like that. That's how we work well together.
2: No worries, mate. All right, buddy. I'm going back to work.
0: Good on you. Me too. Spot you later. Catch you later. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey,
3: everybody. This is Tony Justice, and you're listening
4: to On the Road with Mike and Handy.
2: just a quick word about our sponsors go to our webpage page www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are and if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you
0: So is it too early for COVID comedy? Apparently not. Here's an amusing little skit from popular Aussie comedian Sammy J.
4: Just a reminder to wear masks indoors at all times.
5: Okay, Mr Jefferson, thanks for popping in. As you know, you've tested positive for COVID-19 and due to the recent outbreaks down the entire eastern seaboard, we just need to trace your movements and identify any close contacts. Sure thing. Have you been self-isolating since receiving your results? Uh, Of course. So you haven't left the house, no contact with anyone? No.
4: Well, sorry, I did pop out to the shops just for 20 minutes. I just needed to get some milk.
5: Okay, so you have left the house?
4: Yeah, but that was the only time.
5: Did you speak to anybody at the shops?
4: No. Great. I did hug someone.
5: You hugged someone?
4: It was a very good coffee.
5: I thought you said you went out for milk.
4: When I buy milk, I always get a coffee.
5: Okay, but after that, you went home? Yep. And you've been at home ever since? Mm Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, we're all done then. Sweet. Where did you get that beer? Dan Murphy's. The bottle shop?
4: Uh, No, my cousin Dan Murphy's.
5: And he runs a bottle shop?
4: No, he runs a a deep tissue massage parlor.
5: Please tell me you didn't get a massage. No. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I was giving them. Who to?
4: Elderly citizens.
5: Oh, God, well that's completely irresponsible. We're gonna have to contact everyone who was there immediately.
4: Sorry, before you do, yeah, look, I don't think you're gonna like what I did next. Go on. Well, I'm a lifeguard at the local pool.
5: And you were on duty that day? No,
4: no. Good. Because I was running a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation workshop for unvaccinated youths.
5: Okay, so other than hugging people, massaging the elderly and your mouth-to-mouth resuscitation program, do you have any other jobs where you get unnecessarily close to people?
4: I'm a professional whisperer.
5: Is that even a job? Yes. OK. After the pool, you went home, right? Yes. Yes.
4: Right after, I gave blood, went to a Bikram yoga class, uh, stopped by an essential workers fundraiser and set up a kissing booth, then drove a car right through regional New South Wales to get into Queensland where I took part in a Greco-Roman wrestling competition with 37 immunocompromised adults. Did you use QR codes? Of course, not an animal. OK,
5: so looking at your schedule in the past 48 hours, you have spent 47 hours and 30 minutes engaged in high-level viral shedding activity.
4: Well, I can see that now.
5: You are by far the worst person I have ever had the misfortune of contact tracing. And your reckless behaviour may well send the entire nation into another national lockdown!
4: So, shouldn't you be wearing a mask?
5: Oh yeah, but it fogs up my glasses.
4: I won't tell anyone if you don't. Deal. Whoa, don't know where you've been.
2: letter that's been published on bigriggers.com.au and I just wanted to read it out it's just an opinion piece that's been published earlier this week and the letters entitled our truck drivers will be ostracized next I wanted to share this with you because it talks about someone's feeling about what's going on at the moment and yeah, you know, it's not my opinion but there are some things in it I do agree with um, basically sharing it because I think it's a good idea for people to have some understanding that they're not alone We've all got our thoughts, I mean, we will sit behind the wheel and we're driving along and we've got a lot of time to think about things. Interesting to note what this guy's saying. So this is the open letter. I'm going to read it verbatim. I'm not going to modify it or add my bit to it or anything like that. I'll just read it out and you can take it for what it is. Dismiss it if you want. Talk about it some more if you want. Entirely up to you. So it starts with this. Dear all, there is currently a frenzied campaign being undertaken to breed fear of the unvaccinated. The vaccinated are being persuaded into fearing them because of reasons that they are likely to carry the virus. Even Gladys Berejiklian has said she fears sitting in a restaurant with an unvaccinated. Irrespective of any good intention, using fear is an insidious persuasion tool entirely likely to blow out of proportion when the will of the mob takes over. The fear cemented in the mob won't taper when the government chooses. They'll come to fear all carriers of the virus, they will target outsiders, they will target truck drivers. Whether vaccinated or not, they'll say, you have likely got it, you're putting our communities at risk, and they'll shut them out in their own terms. The government will lose control of the lockouts. Our drivers will remain locked down, they will be banned from hospitality and face discrimination with medical access. I'm no epidemiologist, and I've heard countless times that the vaccines work. The science says they work. The science says that the vaccine protects us from serious symptoms. Anyone that looks to put fear into a vaccinated person is a science denier and should be called out on it. If a climate of fear doesn't cool down, our truckies will be next. While I'd be more than happy to talk about this publicly, my business would likely be targeted by the authorities. I've had COVID inspections on all sites and likely be shut down in no time. I appreciate some may not agree with me, and I greatly appreciate the job that you've all done helping us through this troubled time. I know there's a massive job people have doing in keeping facilities open and such. I think the problem that's looming is greater than what we've seen. Up till now, it's largely the government making the rules. But I think the next phase will be the mob taking it into their own hands. I'd feel a lot better if you can convince me why I have it wrong. But in the refrigerated interstate trucking space, we're seeing a world of trouble out there. And I think it's going to get a lot worse. I think we need voices in the media calming the rhetoric down. Anyone that is stoking fear of COVID into vaccinated persons is a science denier. And they should be called out on it. And the name's been withheld. I have no idea who wrote that, to be honest, I don't really need to know. It's an expression of an opinion that a lot of us have. There is a lot going on out there at the moment, we're seeing the mandatory jabs, we're seeing a surge in the way people are being treated in a poor way, obviously we don't have the power as drivers to say we will or we won't, a lot of guys living pay to pay and they don't have the power to say no and I don't think that we're far away from seeing something really blow up, that's my opinion anyway. Take care out there and we'll see you on the
1: road.
0: Easing us out of the show this week, here's Sun Vault with a song that we can all relate to. It's called Looking at the World Through a Windshield.
1: time at home still running around the country that right way. Whoa, I'm looking at
0: show for this week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer be sure to join us again next week when mike says we're underway now nanny says i might confuse everyone and our guest says
3: yeah no yeah no
0: until we catch up with you again next week play nice with each other and most of all stay safe out there bye for now the team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those
1: opinions. Well, I push this rig through the sleet and rain And I've driven through the rough terrain of the Rockies To the docks of old L.A. On down that old Pacific shore I swing north Head for Baltimore or someplace about 2,000 miles away Whoa!